0: In life, when you are stuck between a rock and a hard place, psychological flexibility is going to make the difference between pain and suffering. Welcome back to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. This is not therapy, this is real life. I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh Cedar, and I'm excited to welcome you back to the podcast where we talk about therapy concepts and adapt them into self-care strategies that you can use in everyday life. So we finally get to talk about one of uh, the most exciting topics that um, I've heard of recently in uh, therapy research and self-care. And this is the concept of psychological flexibility. And it comes from research from acceptance and commitment therapy, which is one of the third wave therapies. So if you're listening to the podcast, you're used to me talking about dialectical behavior therapy, which is a a close cousin of acceptance and commitment therapy, also known as ACT. DBT is also known as a third wave therapy, which means that it integrates acceptance-based and Eastern philosophies, including mindfulness as effective approaches to self-care. And what's really, really fascinating about ACT is when you look at their research, ACT is not used as a standalone treatment for depression or anxiety or other stresses or mental health problems. ACT is not found to decrease the symptoms that you might have with those kind of mental health stresses. What the research actually shows is ACT is really effective at helping you change your relationship to those difficult experiences. So we know that One out of five Americans, for example, are walking around with a depression or anxiety condition. And ACT is designed to be combined with other effective strategies, such as cognitive behavioral therapy, behavioral action, traumatic processing therapies. So what's really interesting and really cool and really empowering about ACT is it is not a standalone ingredient. It is used in combination with other effective strategies, and what's different about it, what we'll learn about when we look at psychological flexibility is what it offers that perhaps other therapies don't, is it offers you a change in your perspective that gives you flexibility, more in your outlook, um, and then we'll look at how you combine that with your actions. Okay, so what do we mean by psychological flexibility? Stephen Hayes is the researcher behind acceptance and commitment therapy. He created this model in the early 80s as he was trying to blend cognitive and behavioral strategies and What's interesting about psychological flexibility is you can actually look up a visual of this. If you Google Act Hexaflex, you'll see a lot of different examples of what I'm looking at and what I'm going to explain to you. Or if you go on the therapyforreallife.com website and go to the podcast page, you'll see my show notes including a visual of this coming from ACT Made Simple, the book by uh, Dr. Russ Harris, who's also done an excellent job of explaining these concepts. So the the ACT hexaflex is a beautiful visual of the six ingredients that we'll want to understand when we look at psychological flexibility. And one of my favorite definitions of psychological flexibility comes from uh, a little article called What is Psychological Flexibility by Tim Gordon online. And he says it really succinctly when he says that psychological flexibility is coming in full contact with painful experiences and with uniquely chosen values while consciously choosing to act and engage in a meaningful life. So let's break that down. That very full definition gives us a lot to think about. And then when we take a closer look, we'll see each one of those six ingredients. So when you look at those examples of the ACT hexaflex, you'll see see this web of six different ingredients in psychological flexibility. And you'll see different lines like a spider web, kind of zooming between all six of them. You'll see that they're all connected. Let's look at each one of them. So, of course, acceptance and commitment therapy, like dialectical behavior therapy, is built on a foundation of mindfulness. Mindfulness is making full contact with the present moment. Basically, you are just being here. Now you are in your experience, you are in your sensory experience, you are in your five senses. So, mindfulness is being fully immersed in the present no matter what. So, when we looked at that definition of psycho- psychological flexibility, coming into full contact with painful experiences, life is a full body contact sport. And mindfulness is showing up for all of that, right? Psychological flexibility is being present, opening up, okay? And uh, an ingredient that, that is a beautiful counterpart to mindfulness, what acceptance and commitment therapy helps us understand is this idea of self as context, this is uh, pure awareness. It's based in that mindful attention, and yet it's a, it's a counterpart. It's a complement. It's, it's a little different of a concept. It's a point of view. This is your personal point of view. And, and you may think about self as concept context in a lot of different ways. Some people might think of it as a a soul or a perspective. Or if you paid attention to the earlier episode from DBT on what is wise mind, that inner sense of knowing, that might make sense to you. But let's try this now just to get a little sense of what we mean when we look at self as context. So if you're in a space um, where you can do this now, I encourage you to get a pen and paper, or if you don't have a pen and paper and you have your phone handy, you could just jot this down in the notes section. And if you don't have that handy, you can go ahead and pause the podcast and come back to this when you can get yourself ready. And if you're not ready now, think of a good time to do that. And when you're in a good spot, you're going to take that pen and paper, and I invite you to do this now, I want you to write down in a list over and over again, 10 times or however you can fit on the paper, I want you to write out, I am, over and over again, I am, next line, I am, I am, I am, I am. And then I want you to go ahead and for the next 30 seconds or 60 seconds if you need to, I want you to fill in that list. Fill in the blank. So I am blah. I am, it could be your name, it could be your bio, it could be a feeling, it could be a mood, it could be something you identify with. It could be a mental state. Go ahead, and if you want to, go ahead and pause the podcast and do that now. Great. Now that you've had a chance to make a really full list of I am statements, I hope you just put down whatever were the first words that came to your mind. There's of course no right answer to this. One thing, huh, do you notice anything in your answer? Sometimes that just tells you a little bit about yourself. Um, sometimes you'll see a little theme that can be interesting. Now, when we look at this idea of self as context, I want you to do something for me and, ask yourself, you know, if you really had to, if you had to cross off one of those things on the list, would you stop being you, right? So if if I had written down, I am right-handed, and let's say I packed up my bags and I moved to a culture where they did not um, allow right-handed folks, and let's say I had to tie my hand behind my back and only write with my left hand or only type. Would I stop being me? I don't think so. There's something about me that's essentially there whether I use my right hand or my left hand. If I had written down on that list, I am tired, I am happy, I am sad. I had filled in the blank for any other emotion. Isn't that interesting? Those are feelings. Those are moods that come and go. So mindfulness brings us the awareness of those experiences and self as context helps us understand our point of view, where we come from, how we see it, what we can see and have access to that no one else perhaps can see or understand quite like we do. I went to a wonderful training with someone presenting on acceptance and commitment therapy through the PESI network. And the way the presenter there explained self as context was made so much sense to me when he said it this way. He said, self as context is like, Uh, laying out a picnic blanket on a field and the tree above might drop down leaves and the ants might crawl over the picnic blanket and pick up the crumbs and at the end of that little picnic you know you and yourself as context you pick up that blanket and you shake it off and you roll it up and you go on with your day. That's as context. That's your point of view. So in life, maybe the experiences are not leaves or ants and crumbs, but it's more like stress and anxiety and depression, perhaps hopelessness or worry. And selfless context allows you to see those experiences as they come and as they go. Okay, Continuing around the act hexaflex to understand the next ingredient in psychological flexibility is diffusion. Diffusion allows you to watch your thinking, watch those experiences. So when you looked at the self as context, your personal point of view and where you are looking from, where that gaze begins... Whether you have a spiritual perspective on that or a scientific perspective, that gaze begins with you. And diffusion is a little bit of distance. You can start to see how each one of these ingredients starts to interact when we think again about that full contact that we have with mindfulness, almost like a flow state. That is part of psychological flexibility. And almost paradoxically, diffusion is a gentle separation from. So this is not dissociation. It is not numbing out or denying. It's not denying reality. It is simply watching it. Perhaps even labeling it non-judgmentally. There it goes. And... The next ingredient in psychological flexibility that goes right along with watching those experience is acceptance. This is where we began. It's right in the name, acceptance and commitment therapy. It's the willingness to radically accept reality as it is. This is where we come back to our definition, the difference between pain and suffering. What mindfulness teaches us is that pain is very much a fact of life. And, you know, you are more than likely to go through your life and experience all kinds of physical pain, emotional pain, possibly financial pain, family pain. And mindfulness teaches us that that's a fact of life. And the subtle difference between that and suffering is that suffering is something we do. It comes from our response to the pain, either trying to deny it, minimize it, numb it or shove it out, or um, rounding up and hyping up that pain. So acceptance, a very sometimes difficult skill to practice, is that opening up to the reality, whatever it is. So if you've gone through a grief or a trauma or have had painful things happen to you, you've probably gone through different kinds of reactions to those painful experiences. And perhaps you've gone in and out of that feeling of acceptance and opening up. And of course, there are a couple more key ingredients. So acceptance and commitment. The counterbalance, of course, to commitment is, to acceptance, is commitment. It's taking committed action. It's doing what it takes. DBT would call this being effective and playing by the rules. Going back to that definition we talked about, it's consciously choosing to act and engage over and over again. So this is the The emotional crossfit of, you know, it is what it is with that reality acceptance and, you know, being able to see it for what it is and bringing mindful awareness to it and even a little bit of separation. And then at the end of the day, you do have to pick yourself up and do what it takes. And of course, what are you going to do? What is all of that informed by? The last of our six active ingredients when we look at psychological flexibility are your values. Now, this is knowing what matters. So when you look at committed action and doing what it takes, all of that is going to flow from what's important to you. So sometimes when people hear the word values, they have a flashback and they go back to Sunday school or their bat mitzvah or Um, someone else's values that were passed down to them, and values could be a spiritual context, but it doesn't have to be. These are the things that are important to you. And the research from acceptance and commitment therapy, what's really powerful is we find that people report decreased suffering when they know what their values are and when they, they put their back into it they they put action behind those values. So this is when you're in when you are in a rock in a hard place situation and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to point your efforts, you don't like the options in front of you, your values are gonna dictate that for you. So the you know, the most personal example I can think of, um, you know, is that example of You know, the doctor who goes to work in the ER every day and, you know, that doctor cannot have the goal, so you want to look at stress management, they can't have the goal of eliminating death, preventing and eliminating death because we know that the very last part of life is death and that that is something that does happen and it does happen in emergency rooms where that doctor works. So that doctor, looking at their values, might discover that rather than getting hung up on the outcome, when you look at productivity, um, you may wanna look at the values along the way. So that doctor may not be able to prevent death, but they sure can try to reduce suffering wherever they can. So if they do have to give a death notice or help someone in hospice, they can use compassion and practice humility and be of service and practice self-care along the way. Let's say sustainability is an important value so that they can reduce as much suffering as possible. So starting to sound a lot like burnout prevention. So knowing what you, va- what you value and what your values are will help you direct your attention and be more effective when you look at committed action. When you get up in the morning on a Monday morning and you don't look forward to your day, you might notice that that sensation, that lack of value, lack of purpose. So this is where you can start to look for it. I use, in my practice, a values list adapted from the book The Happiness Trap, and if you go to thehappinesstrap.com or if you go to therapyforreallife.com, you'll see a version of this, but you could also Google values list, Uh, DBT also has one of these, and just look for any long list of values to jog your thinking on this, and consider what your most important values are and i would encourage you to do this experiment go ahead and print out one of those lists and see if you can push yourself to circle only five and of course you can repeat this exercise on tuesday or on thursday and it might even a different answer between the morning and the nighttime. That's fine, but go and look up one of these lists for yourself and just see what you learn with one of your answers, with what comes to the surface. You think about those top five values. So I'm going to read through a little bit some examples from that list Uh, I mentioned before from the happiness trap. So acceptance. Let me just read through some of these values and see if any of them strike a chord with you. Acceptance, being open and accepting of myself, others, life, etc. Adventure, assertiveness, authenticity, beauty, caring, challenge, compassion, connection, contribution, conformity, cooperation, courage, creativity, curiosity encouragement, equality, excitement, fairness, fitness, flexibility, freedom, friendliness, forgiveness, fun, generosity, gratitude, honesty, humor, humility, industry, independence, intimacy, justice, kindness, love, mindfulness, order, open-mindedness, patience, persistence, pleasure, power, reciprocity, respect, responsibility, romance, safety, self-awareness, self-care, self-development, self-control, sensuality, sexuality, spirituality, skillfulness, supportiveness, trust. What is missing from that list? Are there any other values that come to mind? Values that when you think about why do you do the things that you do? What are the words that come to mind for you? So this is your chance to think about things that are most important to you. And what I encourage you to do between now and the next time that you come back to the podcast is, you know, think about those six active ingredients within psychological flexibility, mindfulness, values, committed action, self as context, diffusion, acceptance, all of that adding up to psychological flexibility, coming into full contact with painful experiences and with uniquely chosen values while consciously choosing to act and engage in a meaningful life, right? So what I want you to think about when you think about those you know, those top five values, what do you have to cope with in pursuit of those values? So when I mentioned that great PESI training that I went to before um, from the network of trainers, The trainer shared that one of these great metaphors from acceptance and commitment therapy is the, you know, let's think of a hockey goalie. The hockey goalie shows up to the hockey game with their years of training and their expensive, protective hockey gear on, and they show up to the game willing to be there. And if they're a good goalie, at some point in the game, they're going to take a, a massive, you know, 100 mile an hour to the chest, puck to the chest. They're going to experience the poop, the huge pain of that to protect the goal. And why do they do that? Why does a hockey goalie put themselves through that? They do that because of their values. And if we had to guess, what those hockey goalies' values are, you know, perhaps sportsmanship or sportsmanship, um, teamwork, competition, pride in the game, self, you know, self-directedness. They do this for the love of the game and they're happy to do it because of their values. So when you look at your life and the things that you show up for, I invite you to think about you know, what is, what are those values that you show up for and, and what's the puck to the chest that you are willing to deal with, to cope with, to get you through it. So I'll leave you there with a lot of food for thought. I'd love to hear your reactions. Feel free to reach out to me through the podcast or through therapyforreallife.com. I have a practice in the Bay Area and travel all over leading self-care workshops and burnout prevention hackathons. So on the podcast, we translate therapy concepts into everyday self-care. I look forward to hearing how that goes for you. Have a great day.